0: To be what Jesus wants us to be, then we are going to follow him the way he wants to. And, and and if we're going to follow the man in the arena, then we got to get into his book, the Bible, because that's the only way we're going to really learn who Jesus is. Are you aware there are 31,102 verses in the King James Version Bible? That means if you read one verse every day, it will take you 82 and a half years to read through the whole Bible. Some of you ain't got a chance if that's the way you're doing it. You know, you got one foot in the grave already and the other's on a banana peel. If you read just a chapter a day, 1,189 chapters, take you three and a half years to read through the Bible. But if you'll read five chapters of the New Testament every day, every 52 days, you'll read through the New Testament. If you'll read... 10 chapters of the New Testament every day, every 26 days, you will read through the New Testament. That means in a year, you'll read through the Bible, New Testament, 12 times. If you read 14 chapters a day, every 90 days, you will read through the entire Bible. And somebody said, well, Phil, that's just reading. That's not studying. I'm telling you, my friends, if you don't start reading, you'll never start studying. And I found out that you guys are in a Bible reading program, amen? Yeah, that's cool, isn't it? How many of you have already kind of fumbled and slipped and fallen? Oh, well, you raised your hand. You're a brave person. A lot of people won't raise their hand. A lot of times when you start a Bible reading program and you get behind, you know what people do? They quit. Well, don't quit. Well, I don't know if I can catch up. Don't worry about catching up. Start with today's date. Today is February the Ninth, find that on your Bible reading program. Go from there. But don't quit. Don't give up. Keep keep trying because until you and I know the book, we're not going to know the one we're supposed to follow because the Bible is his story. It is a history book about Jesus Christ. And you want to know the man in the arena? Then you got a get in the book. Why would I want to do that? Because Jesus Christ is the main thing. And if we're going to keep the main thing, the main thing, then we got to get in the book. How can we follow a Savior if we never look at his book to find out what he wants us to do? I've had lots of people say, Phil, what is God's will for my life? Get in the word and you'll find God's will for your life. The Apostle Paul, Paul said, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, you have any comfort from his love, if you have any fellowship with the Spirit, If you have any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. It's been a long time since I've been here. When I do this, you all talk back. When I do this, you all be quiet. I got a friend in Kentucky who said, Phil, the people need to have this one. When they do that, you shut up. So, if you all do that, I'll shut up, okay? Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So, so today I ask, what's your attitude like? What's your attitude like? Our theme is believers, <laughs> I think our theme song is, Give Me Jesus. You know that song? In the morning... When I rise, give me Jesus. And when I am alone, give me... I like this one. And when I come to die, give me Jesus. You can have all the world, but give me Jesus. The count of three, would you please say your first name? One, two, three. Okay, say it like you like yourself, okay? You guys are too calm. I need some help here. I've been up a long time. I'm an old man. That's what he said. Oh. One, two, three. Okay. Got everybody's name now? Let's change it. Say Jesus. Just Jesus. One, two, three. Jesus. Jesus. A little bit softer. One, two, three. Isn't it amazing? how clear the name is when we're all united to accomplish the task of lifting up Jesus Christ. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that was ever heard. Tell how the angels in chorus sang as they welcomed his birth. Glory to God in the highest, peace and good tidings to earth. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. My friends, our responsibility is to tell the world the story of Jesus Christ. Amen? The man in the arena, that's who we're following. John chapter 5 and chapter 6 paints a stunning portrait of the man in the arena. We can't cover it all, but we're going to pull out seven snippets to see what Jesus really looks like. Number one, his heart was always to help the hurting. John chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. We'll be reading some of these sections. We won't read them all. So you turn to John chapter 5, verse 1 i got these. And I'll read. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by five colored colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, Jesus, the Son of God, was never too busy to help hurting people. Jesus, the Son of God, never placed blame for why the people were where they were. He just helped them. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, Matthew says, Jesus went through all their towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So whenever you see the crowds, whenever you see people who are hurting, whenever you see people who are in need, how do you feel? How do you respond? Jesus responded to the lame, the blind, those with leprosy, those who were crippled. Jesus, he was so amazing, he even healed Peter's (laughs) mother-in-law. Amazing. That's a it's a time joke. It takes a little while. It takes a little while. It takes a little. While. I got a couple more mother-in-law jokes, but I don't have time, so I'll keep on going. And if Jesus does that, why don't we? I got a call a couple of Sunday nights ago and and I had a friend down in the university hospital and and she was having issues because cancer is about to kill her and and, and she had just been talked with all of her family members and she was having a terrible time and it was late at night and and they said, can you come? And so Rhonda and I went down there and and, and I had money in my pocket. Whenever you go to Louisville at 11 o'clock on Sunday night, don't take money with you if you want to keep it. And you say, why? Somebody rob you? No. There were just so many hurting people, and I couldn't pass them by. I came home with nothing (laughs) in my pocket, but a lot in my heart because I was willing to help because I couldn't pass them by. Jesus couldn't pass them by. I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus since I found in him a friend so strong and true. I would tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. Amen? And if he cared for me like that, should I not care for others? Oh, we, we, we got a great way of helping. Have you ever done this? Gone to the funeral home? A loved one, a friend's loved one has passed away. You're standing at the casket and you say, if there's anything I can do, just let me know. Anybody ever done that? Am I the only one that's ever done that? Okay, thank you very much. These people can't raise their hands. I don't know what the problem is. I think we're doing okay, but I don't know. Anybody ever called you to say this is what I need? Never called me. I felt better. But I didn't do anything. I thought I would accomplished my deal, but I hadn't done anything. So I, I kind of changed that in my life because whenever people are hurting, we need to do something. What well, can they, Well, we can pray for them at least. And, and sometimes whenever you go to a casket, one of the best things you can do when you go to the casket is slip a little money in the person's hand who's there because usually those are tough, tough times. And, and, and when you're at the hospital, when you go in, don't just pray and leave. Give them, some, give them help. Help them out. Well, to say, Phil, I'm, I'm not a rich person. Neither am I, but I can now give my God. And the more I give, the more he gives. And it's kind of exciting. And It took me a long time to learn that. But if we want to follow the man in the arena, we always have to have a heart for the hurting. Second thing, he lived the truth, <laughs> no matter the cost. This is a tough one. Look at verse 16. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, what things was he doing? Well, he healed a guy on the Sabbath. The Jews persecuted him. Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. (laughs) The Jews persecuted him. Why? Because he did something good for an invalid on the Sabbath. The religious leaders plotted to kill him. Why? Because the truth didn't matter to him. His own family, they came to get him. Why? They thought he had lost his mind. He he was preaching in his hometown. They wanted to throw him off a hill and kill him. (laughs) And I thought elders meetings were tough. These people were tough. You know, Jesus prayed to the Father. Sanctify them by your truth. Anybody know how to finish that? Sanctify them by your truth. Your. Anybody want to finish that for me? Somebody, please. We have a problem, Houston. John 17, 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Why do people stay away from the Bible? I think people stay away from the Bible not because they don't understand, but because they do understand and they don't want to change. You know the most five read books in the Bible? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And by the time people get done with Deuteronomy, they quit reading because it's tough stuff. And so we are biblically illiterate and we're not doing what Christ wants us to do because we don't know his truth. And his truth has really not cost us a whole lot. Jesus said, if we are his disciples, we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. I knew you knew these. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Who comes to the Father except by me? Nobody. Nobody. The world's saying it doesn't matter how you go. The world's saying Jesus is not important. The world's telling you guys, you don't need to pay attention to Jesus at all. But Jesus says, you want to be happy when you see the Father, you'll come through me or you won't make it at all, and you won't be happy without me. That's the truth. That's the truth. What did the truth cost Jesus Christ? His life. So I want to ask, what does the truth cost you? It might have been a job. It may have been some family relationships. Maybe a friend or two. Maybe some fellowships. But you see, if you follow Jesus, there's going to be a cost. Number three. He validates the authority of the word of God. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And it's probably one of my favorite verses because of my my messed up nature. (laughs) You diligently study the scriptures. Jesus is talking, talking to the religious people. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Why do I want you to be in God's Word? Because God's Word testifies about Jesus Christ. The Bible is not an end in itself. We cannot have bibliolatry. What's that? Worshiping the Bible. But we have to know the Word of God if we're wanting to know the living Word of God. When Herod wanted to know where Christ would be born, who did he ask? Who? No, it wasn't the wise men, but you're close. He asked the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And what did they say? The Bible says, the prophets say, (laughs) they had everything they needed to know Jesus Christ, but they refused to come to him. Jesus said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter or least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. My friends, there is sufficient evidence for you and me to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so I ask you today, do you believe that Jesus is both Savior and Lord? Amen. Amen. Number four, he always stretches the faith of his disciples. I really like this one. Look at chapter 6, verse 1. Sometimes after this, Jesus crossed the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on the hillside and sat down with the disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, you ever wished your name was different? There are two times in the Bible when I wish my name was different. The first one is whenever Philip <laughs> Philip said, show us the Father, Lord, and we'll believe. Remember that one? What did Jesus say? Have I been with you so long and you don't recognize me? I'm right here. Remember that one? Yeah. And now Philip says, ha! where are we going to get enough money to pay all these people, feed all these people? Where are we going to get enough money to do what the church needs? Where are we going to get enough money for that service? Where are we going to get? My God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The silver and gold are his. Am I the only one that's got that God? You guys need to wake up just a little bit, okay? I've been up a long time, and I'm an old man. He told you that. I need some encouragement. My God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The silver and gold are his. There's nothing he can't do. Nothing he can't provide. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so the issue is not about my God. The issue is about me. Where where are we going to get enough to feed all of these people? Jesus constantly tested his disciples. He asked them, who do people say the Son of Man is? I was so small in my understanding of Scripture that I thought Jesus really wanted the disciples to tell him who he was. Jesus knows all things, Phil. He knows who he is. He knows what the people are saying. The test wasn't for him. It was for them. Who do you say that I am? After fishing all night and catching nothing, what did he tell the disciples to do? Throw the net on the other side. It was a test. Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And every day, every day, Jesus will stretch the faith of his disciples so that we can be everything he wants us to be. He'll stretch our faith to surrender. He'll stretch our faith to submit. He'll stretch our faith to serve. You say you want to give, the Lord's going to test your giving. You say you want to be an evangelistic person, the Lord's going to test your ability to talk to people about him. You say you want to serve, the Lord's going to put you in a place that you're not comfortable and you're going to have to decide, do I want to serve? So how is the test coming in your life? Number five, you say, Phil, how many these you got? I got seven. Number five, he left no one to wonder. He is the Lord of all creation. Look at verse 16 through 24. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water. And they were terrified. They saw the fig tree the next day. What had happened to it? It had withered from the roots up. The servants knew that those water pots were filled with water. But now there's wine in them. (laughs) The disciples, those strong fishermen, Oh, Lord, please wake up. Don't you care that we're about to drown? And the Lord got up, and the Bible says he rebuked the wind and the waves, and and rebuke. I know what rebuke is, because I was not the nicest kid growing up, and I got rebuked a lot by my mom and dad, but that's not what that word rebuke means. That word rebuke means he gave a command, and don't you find it amazing that the wind and the waves know how to obey the Lord immediately, but you and I have a hard time with that, Peace be still and always come. And after they saw it, the Bible says they were terrified and they asked each other, what manner of man is this? Romans 8, chapter Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 22. Read about creation. It's groaning now. Brother, is it ever? What's it waiting for? It's waiting for the return of the Lord to put everything back in the order that God intended in the first place. And why can he do that? Because he is the Lord of all creation. Josh McDowell said he is either Lord or he is a liar or he is a lunatic. And you have to decide. Another man said Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And I got news for you, my friends. It doesn't matter what the world is saying about Jesus that he isn't Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Amen? Is he Lord of my life? That's the issue. Well, I I just really don't know if I I can buy all that. I'm just not convinced. I've not seen him calm the waves, and I've not seen him calm the wind. I've not seen him raise the dead. I've not seen him do a lot of miraculous things so I I just don't know I I, I just don't know well what do you have to see? I was preaching in Paoli and uh, answered the phone one day and a very nice lady said my husband and I want to join your church and I was excited about that that's always exciting and she said we want to do it over the phone (laughs) I never had that happen before. And I said, well, how about I come and visit y'all? And she said, that'll be fine. So as soon as we hung up, I called my friend Bob, and I said, this lady wants to join church over the phone. He said, well, you just got to go see her. I said, she said her husband's ill. He said, well, you just got to go see him. Do what you can do. So when I went there, she took me into the living room, and her husband Bob was laying on a hospital bed in the living room. He had seven tubes in him, and all Bob could do was say, uh, uh. And she said, we want to join your church. and We want to accept Christ. And I said, man, that's great. And I, I led her through the good confession, and I asked her when we could set up a time for her to be baptized, and that was all good. And I said, now I need to talk to Bob. And she said, honey, you can't talk to Bob. He's not talked for three or four years, and he can't say anything. I said, ma'am, I, I know, but i got to do it. This is for me more than it is for Bob. So I went over to Bob and said, Bob, do you want to accept Jesus as Savior and Lord of your life? Uh-huh said, Bob, will you repeat after me the good confession? Honey, he can't do that. Ma'am, I know he can't do it, but i got to ask. He, uh, I said, repeat after me, Bob. I believe. I believe. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the living God. The Son of the living God. And I accept Him. And I accept Him. The Savior and Lord of my life. The Savior and Lord of my life. I so, said, Bob, if we ever get all these tubes out of here so it won't drown you to baptize you, can I baptize you? Huh? I turned around and looked at her. She was white as a ghost. He never said anything else the last three years of his life, except no. That's all the evidence I need. But I'm stubborn. I decided I was tired of being a preacher. I was tired of fighting with people about doing what Jesus wants us to do. I was tired of dragging people to be what Jesus wanted him to be. So I quit. I took a dumb job. It was a dumb job. I had to go to Connecticut to learn how to do that dumb job. Didn't make any sense, but I went. We came back. We flew out of LaGuardia Airport. guy I was with, we had a three-hour layover, and we're sitting there, and there are two Jamaican shoeshine boys. I, I love to listen to Jamaican people talk. And, and, and I, I like cop shows. I'm sorry that I like cop shows, but I like cop shows. And, and they look like Jamaican drug runners. I'm telling you. They, I, just, I can't help it. And so he said, I'm going to get my shoes polished. I, said, hey, I ain't paying for somebody to polish my shoes. But after about 10 minutes of sitting there, I thought, oh, well, what I'll go. So I went over and I sat down. And so these two guys are talking. They're polishing my shoes. He polishes my right shoe. He's talking to his buddy. I'm listening to him. He starts polishing my left shoe, and he looks up, and he says, Mon, Mon, you can't quit preaching the gospel, Mon. And he goes back to polishing my shoe. I I know whom I have believed in, and I'm persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I don't know what you need, but I know Jesus is the truth he's the only person we can turn to. I got two more of these. How do I do this quickly? Number six. He taught eternal truth that really troubled people. I'll I'll try to hurry. Look at verses 51 and 52 out of chapter six. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If a man eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. This is one of those sections of Scripture where we are inescapably impaled on the horns of a dilemma. There's no way that we can just politely look over this and keep on going because there's so much here. In verse 53, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. And that was extremely difficult for an Orthodox Jew to even consider, let alone do. And, and when you stop to think about it, it's, it's not real easy for us either. So what's he talking about? Well, I I don't want to argue, and I I don't want to get into some kind of theological discussion for which I am not prepared, but but I've got some thoughts. I believe this section deals with the fourth beatitude that Tony was talking about. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. I believe this is a part of John chapter 4, where the disciples came back and said, Lord, eat, and Jesus said, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. I believe. Jesus is declaring the eternal significance of a personal relationship with him. I believe this entire section is a foreshadowing of the reality of partaking of the Lord's Supper. I believe Jesus is once again pointing to the reality of Calvary. Jesus said, this bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. And one of the simplest ways I know to answer the reality of this section is to ask you this question. What can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? So are you resting in Christ or are you troubled by his words? Because Jesus has given us everything we could ever need to be what he wants us to be. You got time for one more? I'm sorry. I'll do better next time. Uh, thank you, man. Number seven. And 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 I got to do number seven because in my study and in my reading, I I would read down through a I'd read down through a commentary that I had and I'd look at it and I'd throw it away. I thought I don't believe that. <laughs> I should be writing commentary. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Number seven. He never forces anyone to follow him. <laughs> John chapter 6 verse 66. From this time many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Do you want to leave too Jesus? asked the twelve. <laughs> the Bible says he stands at the door and knocks. Heard that voice, verse this morning from a preacher on my way over here. Lord standing at the door and knocking. If you'll open the door, He'll come in. And and that's an evangelism verse for lost people. But you know who that verse was written to? It was written to church people. Is Jesus standing at your heart's door and you know about Him, but you don't believe in Him? Is He knocking at your heart's door and He wants you to open His door, the door of your heart, so He can come in and minister to you? He offers an invitation to come and follow Him. He's not willing for any to perish, but all come to repentance. And the Bible says, and the song says, Jesus paid it all. And if Jesus has paid it all, then I owe him my all. So today, does the man in the arena have my all? Because that is the main thing. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, do you want to leave too? So what's your answer? Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Have have you made the good confession about Jesus Christ? If you have, I want to ask you to repeat it with me. Would you please? Let's stand. Would you repeat after me if if you've made this confession? I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I accept him as Savior and Lord of my life. If you've made that confession, then you walk with Christ, and Christ walks with you. If you haven't made that confession, (laughs) my question is, why? 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 He's the only way we get out of this life and be happy about it. So if you've made the confession, live like it. If you haven't made the confession, Tony's going to be down here. John's going to lead us in a great song. I don't know what you're waiting for. Because by now, we all ought to be aware. We have no promises of getting home today from this service. And if we're not ready, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just telling you the truth. If we're not ready, we have no hope of eternity in Jesus Christ. So if you want hope in Him, come to Him, the man in the arena. He's waiting on you. Let's see.